Welcome to the other party, got that vibe Well, you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the after party This was obviously a super, super busy week It was WWDC, which is all virtual for the first time And that was kind of weird What did you guys think about it? I personally really liked how it all went down It was well-produced, and I got a lot out of it, and I thought it kind of moved a little bit quicker than if everything was in person, you know? It's almost like the people on stage, because it was more, I guess what you would call canned, you know, they were less nervous, and it just went off, obviously, pretty flawlessly. Now, I haven't sat in on any of the developer sessions um, that happened this week. I've kind of been following along with a few things here and there. Some stuff happening in ARKit is pretty cool. But the big announcements, uh, you know, I covered a lot of that stuff on the channel this week. You know, the first thing that I did was just a roundup of, you know, what I thought were the top five announcements from WWDC. And consequently, that was the first video that I shot with three cameras. You know, I mentioned the other week that, that those cameras were coming, finally pulled the trigger. And, and so that was the first one. And honestly, I didn't know what to expect. And it went okay. It was not bad. You know, I set up a C stand, which is a stand that let me mount my uh, overhead rig up and a tripod in front and a tripod to the side and let it rip and trusted the autofocus and it came out good. And I didn't even put any crazy color grades on or anything because I just haven't messed with it yet. Um, even though these are Sony cameras and everyone says you got to shoot an HLG2 uh, to really make it look good. But I was pretty, you know, happy with just how it looked just right out of the camera and then I also covered if you miss it the Mac OS Big Sur demo I gave you some first impressions and that video turned out to be the most popular of my WWDC content so far which honestly was kind of unexpected for me I mean I know that there was the big uh, move to Apple Silicon and so that was like huge news probably like the biggest news in people's minds but Big Sur though it's not directly related to the Silicon you know so I don't know I was just I was kind of surprised I expected the iPad content to do well, but that came in second in terms of views and watch time from all of my content that I put out there was the iPad OS 14 new features demo. I could tell people really uh, thought that the scribble feature that they debuted was the most interesting thing on the iPad this year. And so did I. Although some people, it's weird. People just like to dislike things, you know? And I'm probably included. There's probably just things that I just don't like or don't get and then, but like some people were like, I don't understand. Is that a boomer thing, you know, to like the scribble feature? Oh, like, come on, come on. The scribble feature is cool. Not every feature is going to be something that every person on the planet is going to love or see value in or even use, you know? But you don't have to downplay it if somebody else is going to like it, you know what I mean? I'm excited for scribble. Pfft, will it be my primary way of inputting text? No, definitely not. I've been using the Magic Keyboard all the time, and that will probably continue to be the main way that I put text in and words into my iPad. But I like the option. Um, and then the two other videos that I made, I made five videos this week about WWDC, which is one of the benefits. I've been telling you guys about the three-camera setup, and actually I'm thinking about increasing it to four or five cameras, if I'm honest with you. I might make another purchase this week. But I did one on iOS 14 widgets, uh, which... Actually, I thought that that would be more popular of a of a topic, and I enjoyed checking them out. 
but it just wasn't something people were as into. And then I also made a video on everything that Apple didn't give us, which is sort of a crowdsourced thing. I put out on Twitter, I was like, hey, what didn't we get, you and me, us, collectively, the Daily Tech audience at WWDC? And you guys came back with several answers, and I incorporated that into the video. And so if you haven't seen that yet, I mean, you should check it out. So that's what I've been up to this week so far. I haven't gotten to the Apple Watch yet. I plan on doing that Maybe over the weekend I'll get the, the beta installed and then I might test it out. Instead of just doing my straight up first reaction live, you know, well not live, but in front of the camera for the first time, maybe I'll just test it out a little bit and, and check out the sleep tracking and stuff and then bring you a more um, thoroughly thought out video instead of more of a reaction hot take type of video on the Apple Watch this week. But let's kick off uh, the Apple portion, the official Apple portion instead of just the daily tech portion of this podcast today by talking about a few of the things that flew under the radar. I think one of the most interesting things for me that I saw was a feature that is an accessibility feature, and a lot of people are just gonna find useful anyways, that I think I'm gonna use too, which is, and I haven't tested it out yet because I was gonna make a video about it and test it out right there, but it's the ability to double tap or triple tap the back of your phone in order to perform some sort of a function. Now, originally, it was kind of a crazy week because I couldn't find my my other iPhone. You guys know I always have two iPhones at any given time. I'm moving right now, and I couldn't find my iPhone 11 because I got the Pro in my pocket with me all the time right now. And I was going to install the beta on that other 11, which you've seen in several videos this, this year, by the way. But I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I ended up putting the new beta for iOS 14 on my iPhone SE, and I thought that was an interesting angle anyways because I was sure almost everyone was going to be showing the betas off on the flagship iPhones. So at least, you know, in a roundabout way, I didn't do it on purpose, but I think it ended up being an, an interesting thing. I showed what the beta was going to look like on the iPhone SE. But unfortunately, I went to make this video about the double tap, triple tap feature, and lo and behold, that's not going to work on the iPhone SE. So I did what I've been telling everyone not to do, and that is I put the beta on my daily driver on my iPhone 11 Pro. I was like, you know, it could be a pain. Maybe I'm going to have to reset it if it's really bad because I've had some experiences in the past where the betas have really ended up kind of screwing my workflow up. And anyways, I, I did get it installed. And to be honest, just to kind of repeat what other people have been saying on Twitter and whatnot, it actually is fairly stable. The iOS 14 developer beta one, it's pretty stable. Hasn't really been giving me any trouble, so to speak. And a lot of people have been saying too, they can't believe it and I can't either because of how you know, buggy regular old iOS 13, forget the beta, just regular iOS 13 has been. That said though, I've been noticing a ton of battery drain and so I've been having to charge my phone a lot uh, more frequently. So, you know, heads up, it, it is something that you can install technically if you wanna pay the $99 and become a quote unquote developer, even if you're not but you are gonna run into something, or if not some things, you know, all your apps aren't quite supported and whatever, so proceed with caution, but it is on my daily driver, and I have been really liking it so far. People are really split on the widgets. Some people are like, I don't care, and I don't like the way that it looks. <laughs> and then you get the people who are like, oh, but Android already had these forever, and then I kind of address that at the end of my widgets video, but um, yeah, Macs had widgets before everybody, and then Windows Phone had widgets before any other phones. Uh, and then the iPhone already did have widgets, but they lived off to the side 
on the home screen. So they're just like officially, you know, rethought and have landed on the actual homepage now. But this double tap, triple tap feature is going to be really useful, I think, to everybody. And I'm kind of hoping that it moves past being an accessibility feature, kind of like the, the mouse pointer did, and just gets baked in to the operating system as a whole, as a non-accessibility feature. Because really, why not? So Federico Vitici, who you guys know from Mac Stories, he pointed out that you can set that up to work with a shortcut, and that's pretty powerful. Otherwise, you have like a predetermined list of things that you can set it up with. But uh, one of the things you can do if you hook it up through a shortcut is then activate, if you wanted to, something like a different uh, assistant, voice assistant, instead of Siri. So for instance, you could use Google Assistant with a double tap or triple tap on the back of your iPhone. I mean, that's that's pretty cool if you if you want to do that. And I'm not, I'm probably not going to do that. And we're going to talk about the state of AI and Siri soon. So be prepared for that later in this podcast. Something else that's interesting is that Apple officially killed off 3D Touch last year by replacing it with a haptic feature. But Force Touch is actually going away as well. And it's going away because Apple is going to find other ways for developers and for themselves to implement whatever features you were going to get by force tapping or 3D touching or whatever. I think it just ended up being too hidden for most people and you just didn't know intuitively where is force touch or 3D touch available and where isn't it. When can I use it and where can I? It's sort of a guessing game and just it was interesting technology but what was the difference really between just that and long pressing? You know, that's how Android incorporated it. It was just with a long press with no extra tech under the hood actually needed. One thing that's really exciting, I think for a lot of people, me included, is that shortcuts, even though it wasn't really talked about up on stage, got some big upgrades. So one of those things is folders, which already I'm finding very useful. I don't want just one sheet of all my folders. It's very nice to be able to organize those. And then another thing that's cool is that you can put them in a widget now on your uh, iOS homepage, and so that can be part of the Smart Stack widget, which we talked about, and I won't go into too, uh, too much depth here. If you just go watch my video, you'll know what I'm talking about. So you can swipe through your different folders, basically, if you set it up right in your widget, of shortcuts, which is great. And now you can also copy and paste actions from within shortcuts. So the actions are the things that you know uh, comprise what actually happens within a shortcut. You know, if this, then that, all these little actions. So if I get home, then turn on these lights and start playing my favorite Andy Minio playlist, <laughs> right? Those are actions. And so copying and pasting, you can take the guts from one shortcut and paste them into another, which makes the whole thing a little bit faster and easier to set up and build out. We got some new automation triggers, which is great. And Finally, this is something I've been asking for, wanting for, for a long time. You can now activate shortcuts officially from the Apple Watch, including there's a complication now that will activate your shortcuts. Um, what else? There's Game Center. That got a refresh. Um, I, I don't know if anyone was asking for that, but it did. We have Emoji Search on iOS. That's a big deal because people actually will use that. That's one of those little things that people are going to appreciate. There's a new NFC reader button in Control Center. There's a lot of little things. And it's going to be fun just, you know, serendipitously to, to figure this stuff out as you're using the new versions of all the software. 
So, well, let's just talk about, you know, the big news this year, which was Apple moving away from Intel and switching over to ARM, or basically what they're calling Apple Silicon. And let's talk about, you know, what I said in my WWDC reaction video for Big Sur, which is the new operating system for Macs, is that I was surprised by the redesign of with Big Sur, the visual overhaul. I wasn't expecting it. And it was one thing that I really liked because all the leakers were not able to leak this information. I like that. I like having some surprises. But now that it's out and people have had a chance to dissect it and look at it, um, and I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit from what I said in my video, uh, people are saying that Mac OS and iPad OS and the devices that they run on are really on a collision course more than ever, more than they already were. And so we're going to talk about what does that potentially mean. Because in my video, I said, does that mean that we're going to get touchscreen stuff, uh, touchscreen Macs? And I said, you know what? Probably not anytime soon. But I don't know about that. I, I've, <laughs> I've had more time to sit there and let it sink in and to think about it. And actually, I think that we really might get that fairly soon, sooner than you would think. Partially, what was running through my head when I made that statement in the video that no, we may not see that soon, was I remember an Apple executive getting up and saying, no, that's never going to happen. That's not what we're doing. Don't even think about it. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to think about it. But we've had uh, several other instances where Apple's like, nope, get it out of your head. Don't even think about it. It's not something to even entertain. And then it happened later. And part of me's like, hmm, looking back at that pattern, when Apple says it's not going to do something, maybe that's actually a signal that they are going to do something. And they're just trying to throw the market off or everybody off from trying to guess what they're up to. I don't know. But I I really, I think you almost do have to be blind. Like somebody said in the comments, like, Chris, you're blind if you don't see it. To think that maybe we're not going to have a touchscreen Mac. But I don't think that that's what we're actually going to see. I think it's more likely that we're going to end up with some kind of an Apple OS at some point where everything merges together and the hardware and the shape of things, the devices, it may not matter all that much. So yeah, you're going to have a display and you can connect some kind of periphery to it. Maybe it's a pencil, maybe it's a mouse, uh, maybe it's a keyboard and it's not even going to matter potentially at the end of the day if it's called a Mac or if it's called an iPad, it's just going to be running Apple OS or something like that. Now, why am I saying that? There's several reasons. Let's go through them. First of all, let's point out this is a big shift for the Mac. Uh, it's absolutely enormous. We now have Mac OS 11. No more OS 10. So this signifies more than just a design change, more than just a visual overhaul. And we're going to get to that too before this podcast is up. The pneumorphic design as people are calling it, that debuted with Big Sur. The Mac and the iPad, their operating systems are starting to look very similar. They're starting to borrow very heavily from each other, even more than they had in the past. On iPad OS 14, we ended up getting some sidebars, which looked very familiar if you're a Mac user. And if we are looking at the dock on the Mac, that's looking awfully familiar if you're coming from the iPad side of things now. So I think it's obvious just beyond obvious that Mac OS Big Sur visually has taken a lot of cues. It was inspired by iPad OS. For instance, in the toolbar, the elements up there highlight when the pointer moves over them. That's something from iPad OS. You know, everything that you see in Big Sur is now a rounded rectangle. 
It's very much like the iPad. And here's the thing that everyone's talking about. You see more space in between certain elements than you saw in the past. It seems like things are spaced out a little bit more for the purposes of being touched, a touch interface. What you get with the mouse with the cursor is precision. But when you have a finger involved, uh, then you need a little extra space because it's less precise. And we're getting that space here. Visually, it seems to be implying that, hmm, you know, why would you do that other than for a touch interface? Okay, so there's that. But then you think about this transition from Intel to ARM. Well, look, what that transition really means is Macs are going to start running on the same kind of chips, the same chip family that Apple's mobile stuff's been operating on already, right, for years. iPhones and iPads. No separate chips anymore. And part of what we're going to get from that is Macs having the ability, pay attention here, to run iPhone and iPad apps in an unmodified way, straight out of the App Store. Now, do you want to run an iPhone app or an iPad app on your Mac? I don't know that you necessarily do or want to. It's clear that some apps aren't going to make their way to a Mac otherwise. They're just not. So it'll be interesting to have the ability. But do you see you know, the bigger picture? If you're a developer, then you start now maybe Instead of developing something just for the Mac, your whole system is different. You're developing maybe, you know, for an iPad and then porting it over with the click of a button thanks to Apple's back-end software and converting it into a Mac app also. So either way, you know, it's clear that the, the development environments for, you know, these disparate systems, they're merging. So in some ways, almost in like a metaphorical way, do Mac apps, do they even exist moving forward? Um, it's an interesting question. And then you get into the wheeze like, well, what even is a Mac? What even is an iPad? What is the difference really going to be over the next five years? So just to wrap this section up, people are saying, you know, well, look, thinking this all out, is it going to be in a few years where, you know, uh, a Mac is just like, you know, a mode that you're in on your iPad, for instance, or something along those lines? I don't know, but... It's, it's definitely interesting. Things are getting interesting in this space. And some people are not going to like the thought of this, the idea of this. But I think it's pretty clear that that's where we're headed after further thinking on the subject. So um, let's get into talking about the future of AI and Apple and Siri and Google Assistant and Alexa and all of that stuff. If you paid attention to WWDC then you probably realized, you know, there wasn't some huge Siri announcement. At no point during the event were they like, here's everything that's new with Siri. And I find that very interesting. And, you know, I, I was, you could almost be like, that's, that's not a good sign because Siri should be getting a lot more of the spotlight. It should be a major feature. We've been promised that Siri was going to be this big, smart, you know, thing that just runs our life for us. But on the other hand, I actually thought it wasn't too bad of a thing for Apple to not put Siri, you know, directly in the spotlight and have a whole, you know, five or 10 or 20 minute segment dedicated to Siri. But we did see Siri stuff scattered throughout the announcement. It just wasn't in one big chunk. For instance, the Translate app, you know, that has machine learning written all over it to be able to detect 
what's being spoken and translate it, that's requiring some pretty awesome chops on device. We saw the new sleep tracking come to the Apple Watch. That requires some interesting machine learning properties. I mean, it's smart enough to understand your breathing and analyze that and then track it. You know, that requires some smart. It's, it's not just a matter of, you know, starting and stopping a timer. Uh, there was the new hand washing feature, speaking of uh, the Apple Watch and sticking with the Apple Watch. Now, <laughs> that's kind of a, a funny, weird thing. It can recognize the sounds of hand washing and the soap squishing around or whatever. But still, that is machine learning. And I guess uh, the obvious example would be, uh, you know, HomeKit being able to recognize faces at your door and then announce them via HomePod or show you those faces on your Apple TV. The Verge actually pointed out that we got a bunch of little announcements rather, you know, related to Siri and enhancements, convenient stuff, rather than one big, hey, here's this giant new feature that Siri can do. And on top of that, Siri also got uh, a, a facelift in terms of how it looks and works. So that's really convenient. It's not going to take over your whole screen anymore on your iPhone or your iPad. It, you know, on the Mac, it always popped up in the top right corner, right? Well, now on the iPad, it pops up in your bottom right, bottom right corner. And then on your iPhone, it just looks a little different. Uh, the Siri icon is a little bigger and more animated. But when I think about all of those things that we just mentioned, and I'm sure there was more, they're all like pretty cool things. They're some of my favorite parts of, you know, in an underrated way, understated of WWDC, the announcements. The thing is, I think the thing is, I think that people have been used to, you know, like Google Assistant, for instance, and Alexa trying to be a be all end all kind of personal assistant that can predict everything that you're going to do and, you know, do things for you and, and be as smart as possible. And maybe this is just an, an outgrowth of Apple being more protective of people's privacy. That could very well be. But, you know, Siri, nobody thinks of Siri as being on the same level, you know, smarts wise as Google Assistant. But that being said, I'm kind of liking this Siri strategy where they're rolling out some convenient small things, a lot of small convenient things. And then by not having a big segment on Siri at WWDC, then they're also preventing uh, people writing about how disappointed or talking about how disappointed they were in Siri, not you know being able to match Google Assistant shot for shot. So what this WWDC taught me was that you know Siri has a role to play and it's going to be different than Google Assistant and Alexa in people's ecosystems and lives. But I learned that that might be an okay thing. That might be actually a pretty good thing, all things considered. You can always use Google Assistant if you want to and let it mine your personal data. And a lot of people don't care. They prefer the convenience that comes you know, from that solution. Add it to your double tap or triple tap on the back of your phone. <laughs> but if you do care about your privacy, um, then I think your life's gonna be okay at this point if you're not using Google Assistant, but you do get some still some fun, exciting things, these little conveniences um, added into your life as well. But even Apple has to balance, um, you know, personal, you know, boundaries versus convenience because, you know, the example that we just mentioned, somebody showing up at your door and having their face recognized and then get announced inside and shown on the TV. Well, that is some personal information. Even if stuff is happening in HomeKit secure video, it still might make some people unhappy or uneasy, you know. 
But on Apple Hype today, and you could find this in the premium newsletter, um, the premium issue, we talked about um, Craig Federighi. You know, obviously Apple has a stance that privacy is a fundamental human right. But he was talking about how Apple hopes to be remembered, you know, 100 years from now as the company that was making privacy foundational. And anyways, I just want to say I, I, you know, I'm not like disappointed without some huge Siri announcement this year. I liked all the little ways that Siri was going to make things better, even if it's a different vision of what the assistant can do and should be than what Google's building. All right. So let's get into the last topic of the day, which is going to be basically focused on Big Sur and the design overhaul. So I don't know if you guys remember a long time ago, uh, I don't know what the year is going to be, but we had this thing called skeuomorphism, which was a type of design, a design style that was very evident in a lot of Apple stuff, both on iOS and macOS, where you saw a lot of uh, textures and patterns. And basically you had a digital designer replicating the look of something in the physical world. And then, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, we had a shift to flat design, which was really championed by Android and then was picked up also in iOS, where it wasn't so reliant, the design language, on the physical world. It wasn't about translating things from the physical world, things like drawers, into a digital format. And so now, what everyone's talking about with the launch of Big Sur is newmorphism which is kind of uh, an interesting new development that the design world hasn't been super excited about, but that's kind of coming. It's sort of the next wave, and Apple's the first one to really ride it. So a lot of people are just saying uh, they don't like it. If you're just a regular average person, you might look at it and say, I really don't like that. It's not what I'm used to. It just looks ugly, whatever. Some of the icons, especially the dock icons. And if you're a designer, you might say, well, it looks like Apple's just trying to differentiate their look versus you know what else is out there rather than adding in actual usability. And that could be any of those could be valid points. I'm not saying that they're not. But um, what new morphism does is it kind of brings one specific element um, from the physical world back into the digital realm from what I understand, and that is light. And so when you talk about new morphism, you're basically talking about uh, light and shadows. And yeah, well, light and shadows, whether it's a glow or a drop shadow, that's really um, what the, the two elements that are getting added into, you know, your new morphic icons and looks. So whereas skeuomorphism was all about realism, like realistic design, and you would see patterns and, and surfaces being emulated whether that was a poker table having some green felt on it and trying to make it look as real as possible, or remember the brushed metal look that we were seeing, that kind of you know fake aluminum look that was skeuomorphic. But newmorphism is not about uh, you know realistically depicting things digitally. It's more about um, I think there's something to it. It's it's trying to. And this is being said as a, a, you know, a former designer, I guess. I don't really do much design anymore, but that was what I studied in college. But um, realistically adding in an extra element of depth almost um, with playing by playing with the light. So, for instance, the App Store icon, it's not just flat anymore. Um, it's got some shadows. And it actually is one of the icons that I think doesn't look all that bad. And... I, I don't know, it, it adds a little something to, to me, to my eye. 
the flat looks okay. Um, but, but here's, here's a big part of this conversation. At some point when a style gets accepted and people are doing it for, I don't know, five, 10 years and it becomes expected, then somebody's going to want to break out of the box. It doesn't matter if it was good or bad, but people are going to want to change sometimes just for change sake. And I guess that's not really fair because it, it does end up being a way to differentiate your product from a, a competitor's. But there are other icons that I have to admit I don't really love the look of. But at the same time, it's not like the end of the world. Even if it looks slightly worse, maybe at this point, at this iteration, it's not like I'm not going to be able to get work done or I need to like avert my eyes and look away because I just can't stand looking at the icon. It's not that bad. People are kind of overdoing it. And I will say, if you remember when the iPhone switched over, I don't know what year it was, um, to the flat look and the flat design, not everyone liked that. And also it evolved over time. It wasn't just stuck in that one place, you know, with the first release, you know, things did change, icons did change. And I'm assuming that that's probably gonna happen here too. If you don't love one specific icon, I wouldn't just say, oh, I hate this new look with Big Sur. No, you could just expect it to kind of get refined and change over time because what's really happening is there's this shift in this design language and people are figuring out what it means and how they want to use it. And you can be sure that now that Apple's doing it, you know, other people are going to jump on board as well. Uh, the first people to do that is going to be people designing apps because they're going to want to match the look and feel a big sir. And I think that the, the people, probably that wave of people and their design when they're messing with new new morphism, they are going to be the ones to really push it forward faster and refine it more than what Apple has done here. Apple kind of started, you know, the rock rolling down the hill and uh, all the individual app designers and makers, they're going to be the ones who kind of help, you know, take this movement, this new look and shape it and really define it. So, I mean, what you had with the, the flat era was you got rid of a bunch of rules and you said, let's, it's going to be all digital only and it's going to open up the color palettes. Anything can be any color. And, um, and that was great, but it kind of played itself out. Now we're sort of getting, adding an element of three dimensional space back in, but without saying it has to be a realistic de depiction of something physical. And honestly, I think as people start playing around with this, it can look good. I think the key is in subtlety, as with lots of things in life. If you overdo anything, then you can ruin it. But if you're subtle about it, almost to the point where you don't even realize it, you know, um, cognitively, and it kind of lives on the back burner in your brain, then I think that's where you can find a lot of success with this look. So I guess you could say that this new morphic look that Apple's presenting in, in Big Sur, it's not really digitally native. It is taking something from the 3D space and, and placing it back in. It's, it's kind of the merging of the flat world with light and shadow. So um, as a popular article floating around that everyone's talking about today and yesterday has stated, there is value to differentiation and that's what Apple's doing with this look. So, um, you know, like the, the messages icon, it's a, it's a thought bubble, it's a chat bubble, but it's casting a shadow and it's like it's a real world object kind of it's an object the lights hitting it and it's creating a shadow and i don't know this may be one of the ones that people don't really like 
the photos icon, that one is hard to even tell that they've added anything to it. But if you look closely, you do see, I think, a little bit of a glow and some shadow there too. But it's it's interesting, the outcry. I remember people were so mad about the way that Helvetica knew uh, was handled in one of the transitions back in the day. And here we have this transition to a new uh, design look, design language, and people are, are making it, some noise about it, but they're gonna get used to it, number one, and familiarity is half the battle. Um, after people have been using this for a couple of years, you know, it'll just feel like second nature. And then maybe they will, you know, they wouldn't like to go back to a flat world. A lot of people didn't like it when they switched to the flat world. So I don't know, there's a whole philosophy at work here and it'll just be interesting to see um, how everything shapes up, number one, and then how people will react to it, let's say a year or two from now. All right, well, I think that's gonna wrap it up for this version of the After Party, this episode, this edition. I know I said I was maybe thinking about doing um, the video podcast, bringing that back this week, but it may be a little bit extra. I'm kind of holding off until maybe I either get that extra component, the extra order in that I was telling you about at the beginning of the podcast, or um, I might just wait until I'm in the new studio. I don't know. Um, in the meantime, though, it's still fun to be able to do the audio only at one of these weeks. I am going to add in the video podcast back in. I just want to do it the right way in a, in a way that I'm really happy with that adds some value and isn't just one camera sitting, staring at somebody's face. Although I know a lot of podcasts out there do do that, and that's cool. Um, I just want this one to be a little bit different, so we'll see. But anyways, thanks for listening today. Uh, I'll look forward to catching up with you guys on the channel, on Twitter, on Instagram, all over the place. So appreciate you guys hanging out with me, and I'll catch you in the next podcast. Later. Welcome to the other party out of Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. So 12 are giving you the heat No reviews from Chris, you gotta see Daily Tech got a fax that you need And it's a whole crew you gotta meet After party, it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality, you should take it from me Cause we care about our customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the models Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it Welcome to the other party, I divide Well you know we getting lit and come alive and you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got it vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.